Today on The Lab Report, we talk about leaky gut. Mm, I think the preferred term is intestinal permeability. It is? Yeah. Good. Because I really don't like the word leaky. Nobody does. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. Hello. Hi, Michael Chapman. Man, I barely hit the record button in time. Aww. But you know what? What? I got it. <laughs> you always come through in the end, sir. I got it. You're the best. You know, it's kind of how I got through school, too. Oh, no. Just in general, I mean, right up until last the last minute. minute mm. You're like, oh, yeah, I've got that paper due tomorrow. Oh, I couldn't do that. That's I, maddening. I had friends that would come up to me and be like, I, I just don't know how you do it. You somehow... Always come through in the end. And here you slide right through with the record button, right at the last second. See? And no one's Masterful. the wiser. <laughs> Until you just told everyone. Well, that's there my other is. problem. There it is. <laughs> that's my other big problem. <laughs> I'm an oversharer chronically. Ouch. Yep. Yeah. That's why I'm glad they put a microphone here. Mm, are we glad? I, I, mm. I don't know. I think you have less to worry about than I do. Yeah. Anyway... Yeah. We're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about functional medicine, all things integrative medicine, natural therapeutics. By the way, this is the lab report. It is. My name is Michael Chapman. <laughs> I'm Patty Devers. And we're going to talk today about leaky gut. We are. And actually, the word that people use now is intestinal permeability. Some people. Most people. Yeah. Well. Myself included. I, you should. I don't really like the phrase no. leaky gut. It's a... Uh, doesn't sound very scientific. Doesn't sound very. No, we gotta sound smarter than that. <laughs> yeah, we have to. You gotta sound smarter. We need all the help we can get, people. That's right. But I think the whole concept is: what in the heck is leaking? What yeah. does that all mean? What is this intestinal permeability business? What's the leak? Right. Well, in your gut, all of your intestines, there's like cells that line all of it. Epithelial cells. There are, and. They line it, and they're really close together, and it's only one single layer. And I've heard you describe it as Tic Tacs. I did once say that it was kind of like there was a bunch of little <laughs> Tic Tacs all lined up next to each other. I don't know why Tic Tacs was what came to mind there. I guess I was thinking of teeth, and then somehow yeah. I was thinking of Tic Tacs. Where'd you make that leap down to the gut? I don't know. That's really odd. Let's not venture into where these <laughs> mind meanderings end up. It's a scary place. Brain. But, brain of Michael Chapman. Yes. But you're right. They're all, these cells in the GI tract are all lined up, the epithelial cells. And they're kind of like cuboid and they're rectangular in shape. Mm -hmm. And the long edges, long edges of the rectangles are all right next to each other. And periodically, there will be gaps in between them, which are physiologic Mm -hmm. Right, that's normal. There's, there's openings when they close and then open and close, and that's kind of a normal part of the process. But they're supposed to be tightly bound somewhat. That's why they're called tight junctions. Yes, yeah, so there's binding proteins that hold these cells together, and the whole group of them are called tight junctions mm -hmm. to keep the cells closed, kind of like a, you know, and keep a solid barrier from the external world, essentially. Yeah, 
So they used to think they were kind of melded together, but now they know they open and close physiologically for a lot of reasons. Yeah. And that's intestinal permeability. And it's, it's normal when we're talking about intestinal permeability. It's not synonymous with leaky gut because there's a certain amount of permeability that exists in, in normal, healthy physiology. So when people talk about leaky gut, per se, they're actually talking about increased intestinal permeability. Right. When those stay open way too long or there's damage in the, the space that holds these cells together. Right. That's the key in what can become associated with different clinical conditions and pathological is increased intestinal permeability, not just intestinal permeability by itself. And I think the important point is that the physiologically, like you said, Michael, they open and close in response to a lot of different things. And they do that because it's, you know, your this one cell layer is responsible for seeing what's friend or foe, right? It's the outside environment in your inner world, right? Yeah. So it's, its job is to kind of absorb nutrients and fluids and then kind of work with various bacteria to, to kind of keep that immunity, protect you against other things like toxins and pathogens. Right. right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. It's, it's a way that, you know, whether there's immune surveillance that's taking place. Ooh. I know. I like that. Right? Yeah. And it occurs through like dendritic cells, Ooh. which are underneath in these sort of lymphoid patches, and then they they extend these little arms out into the Aww. lumen, and they're they're just sort of sampling. They're saying, "Hey, what's coming through here?" Like but that's good. This food. is all good stuff, right? It's normal, right? And then if they sense something that shouldn't be there, then it it triggers an immune response, which is exactly what it should be doing because we're encountering lots of different things through our food, probably even more things we used to be encountering when we weren't washing everything a million times and sterilizing it, right? So really, that's the good part of it. But when you have increased intestinal permeability, that's where it becomes a problem. That's what they refer to as leaky gut. Right. And they no longer call it leaky gut. They call it intestinal permeability to make it more official. <laughs> well, I mean, it does seem that way, right? Because there's still a lot of, a lot of people out there that will say leaky gut's not a thing. It's and a for a long period of time, you know, the, the people who are talking about leaky gut would get laughed at. And then all of a sudden you start seeing research articles showing up about intestinal permeability and increased intestinal permeability. And it was sort of like, oh, well, that's a thing. That's Suddenly a thing. it's a thing. Right. So it does. I'm not saying that the name change was what garnered everything, but it is kind of interesting that you did see a name <laughs> change in the literature. And all of a sudden it's being talked about a lot more. Well, so we talked about how when it's increased, that's what causes the problem, right? Right. So what, what is it? Is it the damage of those cells? Is it what damages the tight junctions in between? Well, it, it, from what I've seen, it can be a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. It can be the fact that there are more openings. There's more tight junction openings that these openings can stay open longer. And both of those things either in isolation or combined, can increase overall intestinal permeability. And that is what is a trigger or at least a risk factor for the development of inflammatory conditions and for the development of maybe downstream risks of autoimmune conditions and a whole host of systemic issues. That begs the question, what are the things that cause that damage? What are the triggers for intestinal permeability? I know the biggest one, I think, is probably gluten. Well, it's the most common one. Right. It's the one that's, that's constantly triggering it on a regular basis. And the, the interesting thing about it is that it's not anything necessarily 
that your immune system is reacting to in the gluten. It's actually the, the molecules gluten. And when we say gluten, right, we're talking about gluten proteins like gliadin and, and other wheat proteins mm-hmm. that can directly sit on the receptor and just by their sheer configuration, the way that they look, they will just directly open tight junctions. There's other things that can do it too, though. Yeah. Various bacteria can do it. Yep. And or said, at least what, uh, is it the, ba- the bacteria or things that the bacteria secrete or both? Both. Both. Gotcha. There's also things like NSAIDs, like Motrin, Advil, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Alcohol. Alcohol is a big mm-hmm. one. Can cause, And both of these things have the capability of increasing intestinal permeability excessive exercise like marathon runners marathon often have runners right and the you know what i've seen or at least the proposed mechanism is that in people who are exercising heavily you're going to have a high release of cortisol or at least cortisol releasing hormone mm. because it's a chronic stress it acts like psychological stress it's a physical stressor and so we there's research there's just looking at this research to indicate that stress in which stress creates a release of corticotropin releasing hormone crh that directly stimulates increased intestinal permeability through mast cell activation well this seems like a lot of things should we just assume everybody has leaky gut because really how would you know it doesn't hurt right you don't know that you have it specifically but can we assume everyone has some degree of increased permeability no you can't assume that because there's certainly tests out there for increased intestinal permeability, like the lactulose mannitol test. And you can run that on patients. And, you know, that's, that's certainly a, it's a gold standard method for determining who has and who doesn't have it. And, you know, I think to a certain extent, like we were saying, permeability exists in a normal physiologic sense. And after a glutinous meal, you're going to have increased... Glutinous, is that a word? I don't know, but it works, right? Mm. I'm going to go for it. Okay. I'm all about making up words. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It does it a lot. And after a glutinous meal, <laughs> then you're going to have increased intestinal permeability for a short period of time, but then it'll return back to its normal homeostatic permeability state. Yeah, your body usually takes care of it. So there, there's always that question, should nobody eat gluten forever? And I think the point is some people handle it well, right? Your immune system can handle it. Sure. Others, not so much. I do think it begs the question of, if you were to eat gluten three, four, five times a day, is that going to artificially create long-standing increased intestinal permeability, especially if you're doing that day in and day out like I do? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Bagel boy. <laughs> but it's a, it's a valid question, right? And, right? and if you're doing that, then what you're doing is you're, you're increasing the tight junctions and now you're getting more and more molecules filtering macromolecules, macro, like things like polypeptides and, and other macromolecules coming across the epithelium into circulation and being potentially sources of immune activation. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Yeah, yeah, hold up. yeah. I think this is a good place for us to pause okay. and review the list of causes of leaky gut and just kind of see how much of your lifestyle. Mine? Currently. Mine. Yeah. Your day-to-day, sir. Why are you picking on me? Because you seem quite leaky from here, <laughs> listening to this. My nose is leaky. <laughs> when I'm listening to this lecture, I'm thinking, <laughs> hmm, let's go through the list. Michael Chapman's day-to-day. Um, uh-huh. Bagels in the morning. They're gluten-free bagels. Mm. 
Are they? They are gluten-free bagels. Oh, that's no fun. Yeah, so there's you a win. You just ruined this whole thing. There's a win. Boom. So you eat no gluten. I'm sure doubt, we can find lots of other things. That's what I thought. Then I'm thinking, okay, stress. Yeah. Yeah. I've got... New father, yeah, job. New, new as, as in four years ago, but still <laughs> maladjusting. Yeah. There we go. Hmm. NSAIDs? Do you use NSAIDs? No, I do not. Are you an excessive marathon runner? <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> How about alcohol? Nope. Next. Bacteria. You've got some bacteria. I'm sure I've... Surely you've I'm, got some. I've got some bacteria, and I probably have too many of them. All right, so from a zero to 10, how leaky are you, sir? I'd say I'm probably five, mm. about a five leaker. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. What about you? Hmm. Let's go down the list for you here. No, I'm putting myself probably around eight or nine. Gluten? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then stress? Mm-hmm. Yeah. NSAIDs? Mm-hmm. Okay. Alcohol? And alcohol. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> Bacteria. <laughs> Clearly probably. not a marathon runner. So... You got that going for you. See? Win. It's <laughs> Maybe like you and the gluten-free bagel. <laughs> you, you missed one. Maybe you should be a marathon runner and then just, just complete the whole That's set. That's it. That's it. Okay. Rise above mediocrity. Aim high. <laughs> That's good. Well, that was fun. Yeah. So where are we going from here? What, what are some of the problems that you might have? Like if you're suspecting that a patient might have permeability, what oh, might you look for? Think about it. Right? Like you said, there's all these gaps. And so your immune system is kind of upregulated, right? Yes. So it sets people up for autoimmune disease. Yes. Overactive immune system. Yes. There's other things like food sensitivities that are IgG related that are associated with skin conditions. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think anytime that you're suspecting GI inflammation, you need to be suspecting permeability because the two really go hand in hand. And if somebody's got... IBS, I mean, it's going to be on your list of suspects mm-hmm. right away. I mean, because you're, you're probably having some degree of symptomatology. Well, you're having symptoms, but you're also suspecting some maldigestion, malabsorption, maybe some food sensitivities on board. So you're going to be suspecting some degree of permeability already. That doesn't mean everyone with IBS has permeability. Mm-hmm. We know that, but it's, it's certainly on your list. It reminds me of this one study I was just looking at that was they took individuals who had IBS and they were trying to, A, discover whether SIBO had a connection with intestinal permeability. And they actually found that these individuals with IBS, there was no correlation. The people with <laughs> IBS, yeah, really? yeah, they found that the people with IBS had a higher degree of SIBO and that people with IBS had a higher degree of intestinal permeability, but that there was no correlation. Yeah, there was no correlation between IP Hmm. and SIBO. So clearly there's some third variable, some other things going on there. Um, But like we were saying, how much stress plays a role, how much those other factors play a role, I think is is something that definitely needs to be elucidated because as I was just saying, we know that stress, they were looking at another study where following public speaking, they were able to show that the stress associated with public speaking led to permeability. And when they gave the individual a mast cell stabilizer, then there was no change in their lactulose mannitol test. There was no change in permeability. So they were able to stabilize the permeability associated with the stress of public speaking. Hmm. How cool is that? Super cool. There's some content for you. That's some information. <laughs> well, now the question I have is, are we just assuming people have it based on this list of stuff or are we doing the actual lactulose I'm assuming test? you have it. All right. 
fair. But I'm not assuming that everyone has. So what's this test all about? The lactulose mannitol yeah. test? I don't know. Should that be our question of the day? Great idea. Nope. Question of the day. Mm-hmm. What is a good test for intestinal permeability? Hmm. Or what is the go-to gold standard test? Gold I standard guess? go-to is lactulose mannitol. It's a ratio. It's a urinary test, actually. So you collect urine, right? Yeah, then yeah. you drink a combination of lactulose, which is a sugar, pretty big molecule, and mannitol, which is another sugar, which is a small molecule. And this is important, right? It's important that you understand, if you're interested in knowing how this test works, that the lactulose is a large molecule and the mannitol is a small molecule because why? Well, two reasons. Lactulose, because it's a large molecule, should not then get reabsorbed and end up in your circulation and end up back in another urine sample. It should pass through. Right. So you give a urine sample, you drink this sugary stuff, and then you collect more urine. And we're looking for lactulose and mannitol to see how much of it was spilled into the urine after going through your circulation. Going, yeah, going through your GI tract, then right. entering circulation and coming out in the urine. Which would imply that there are gaps between the cells in your gut if lactulose made it all the way to your urine. Because it's a big molecule, it yeah. shouldn't make it through. That's right. The only way it's going to go through, not the only way, but the majority of the way it's going to make it through is in between the cells, in between the Tic Tacs, <laughs> right? So otherwise, it should just move on through the GI tract. Right. Not, not be absorbed. Mm-hmm. As compared to mannitol, which gets absorbed very readily. Right. Goes straight through. So you look at a comparison between the two sugars Mm -hmm. in the urine. The mannitol is going to tell you just on average how much is being absorbed across the lumen of the GI tract. And then the lactulose is going to tell you how much of this large molecule is likely passing in between the cells due to permeability. So an increase in that lactulose to mannitol ratio is going to result in a positive finding for intestinal permeability. Okay, cool. So, follow-up question. Follow-up question of the day? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, that th- th- means I get to... No, oh, this is okay. different than the question of the day. Oh, okay. It does not require a jingle. Okay. Merely a follow-up, sir. Gotcha. We're talking about all of these things, IBS, SIBO, intestinal permeability. Uh-huh. But then we went to talk about the lactulose mannitol ratio. The question I have yeah. in follow-up is... When someone does the GI effects, yes. are there things on there that might make you suspicious of intestinal permeability? Everything makes me suspicious of intestinal permeability. Hmm. Even when I wake up in the morning, I just wake <laughs> up suspicious of intestinal permeability. But when I'm thinking about Strange. the GI effects, right, there's things that we talked about are associated with permeability, whether that's bacteria, whether that's inflammation whether that's even maldigestion, malabsorption. We think about whether that could be associated with you know, intestinal permeability, whether there's this poor breakdown of macronutrients and whether that's causing any sort of immune response or inflammatory response. So a lot of things on the GI effects make me suspect it. And that's the nice thing about the GI effects is it evaluates all those areas. It evaluates for maldigestion, malabsorption. It evaluates for inflammation. It evaluates for dysbiosis across a whole host of different types of dysbiosis. Certainly bacteria that are potentially pathogenic or true pathogens, all those findings 
are going to make me start to be suspicious of intestinal permeability. So that's what makes the GIFX really nice is, you know, it's maybe not going to just tell you about permeability, but it's going to get to the root causes of those things that trigger permeability. So and that's, it's really not there's a smoking gun. There's no biomarker for intestinal permeability on the GI effects. It gives you a look at what may have been causing it yeah. and some of the sequelae thereof. Well, when I think about inflammation, I think about with respect to permeability, I think about elevated fecal secretory IgA, mm. elevated eosinophil protein X. We have a biomarker called zonulin, which is an add-on, or we have a biomarker called zonulin family peptide. And the reasoning there is that there's a difference between the molecule that Alessio Fasano is studying and the biomarker that's used in all the literature that's called zonulin that was detected. And so there was a required name change. We were actually the the first company to do due diligence and come out and actually change the name when we realized that it's not actually LSEO Fasano's zonulin, but it's a, a different protein. But that can sometimes be used as a marker for zonulin. Some clinicians use it that way. Whether that correlates with the lactulose mannitol test, I think is still a little bit up in the air, but it does have a lot of literature around clinical associations for inflammation, autoimmune disease, type 1 diabetes, things like that. Hmm. Great. So there's a lot of information you can glean about intestinal permeability just by doing the stool test. Yeah, absolutely. Even if it's not diagnostic of intestinal permeability. Yeah. And we also think about food sensitivity testing as giving us a potential window into intestinal permeability. And what we look for there is a food sensitivity result that lights up like a Christmas tree where the patient's results are showing antigenic response to a whole host of different foods, not just a few here and there, or maybe a food category, but lighting up to tons and tons of different foods. That's more likely to be an issue around permeability yeah. than it is true yeah. sensitivities to all those foods. And it's that concept we talk about every time you eat anything, you don't know, your body doesn't know friend or foe. It's just lots of gaps, a lot of areas where any molecule you eat, yeah. it has, there's an immune reaction. It's just going to upregulate your immune system. Well, if you're going to super permeable, then you're going to have all of those food proteins going across the lumen and then likely mounting some sort of immune response because their macro proteins just going across the lumen to a degree that they shouldn't be doing. Great. So that wraps it up for that's a, that's a lot leaky of talk gut. about leaky gut. Yeah. Let's, Can we be done with that? Let's let's be done with that. Let's move on. Cool. All right. Michael. Yeah. I hope people understand that we're the contents of this podcast aren't really for medical advice or I, diagnostic. I, I hope they know that too. You think they know it's just for educational information? I mean, it should be educational enough that they know it's just for education and not for advice. I hope. Yeah. Well, that wraps it up for today. Hope you had a good time. I had a great time. Thank you. Welcome. Next time on The Lab Report, we come to the realization that epithelial cells bear no resemblance to Tic Tacs. How about Skittles? Nope. Starburst? No. Mm, how about Rolos? Nah, only if you sat on them. Okay. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. Why are you sitting on Rolos? I, I don't know. Maybe you got them in your back pocket and you're at the movie uh, theater, snuck, snuck them in. I guess that could happen. I mean, if you buy Rolos, if anyone's buying Rolos anymore. Yeah, I think people do, but I don't think they put them in their back pocket.
I don't it's think weird. any of that ever happens. No. 